Good morning, everyone. So, as Dan said, uh, we'll continue this series uh, today on the book of Joshua. So, the book of Joshua described Israel as a nation, a people of God, collectively called of God to inherit the promise, the land that God promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You find that actually the phrase all Israel occurred 17 times in the book of Joshua. God called them as a nation to inherit the land. The Reubenites and the Gidites and half of the tribe of Manasseh, they had their inheritance on the other side of Jordan. But God and Joshua instructed that they were to cross over the Jordan with the rest of the tribes to fight together, to, to work together as a nation to fulfill the purposes of God. They will move forward with the assurance that God is with them. In many ways, it parallels the church. God calls his people, his body, his church to advance his kingdom collectively. And Jesus assures us, the church, I am with you always to the end of the age. So far in the book of Joshua, we look at some characters, we look at Achan, and we can see the issue of his disobedience and the consequence on that on the whole nation. And last week, um, Lydia spoke on the daughters of Zelophehad, and we can see their boldness, their faith, their persistency, impressing to the inheritance that God has for them. But this morning, we are going to focus on how God relates to his people corporately for the fulfillment of his purpose, as it was in the Old Testament, and how does that relate to us as a church in terms of God fulfilling his purposes in our time? So we're going to read the portion of the Bible, uh, which I get to look at today from the book of Joshua, chapter 8. It should appear now on the, on the screen, verse 30 to 35. Then Joshua built on Mount Eber an altar to the Lord, the God of Israel, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded Israelites. He built it according to what is written in the book of the Lord of Moses, an altar of uncut stones on which no iron tool has been used. On it they offer to the Lord burnt offerings and sacrifice fellowship offerings. There in the presence of the Israelites, Joshua wrote on stones a copy of the Lord of Moses. All the Israelites with their elders Officials and judges were standing on both sides of the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, facing the Levitical priests who carried it. Both the foreigners living among them, the native-born who were there, half of the people stood in front of Mount Garizim, and half of them in front of Mount Eber, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had formally commanded when he gave instruction to bless the people of Israel. Afterwards, Joshua read all the words of the law, the blessings and the curses. 
just as it is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses had commanded that Joshua did not read to the whole assembly of Israel, including the women, the children, the foreigners who lived among them. So that we can understand this passage, we need to read where Moses actually gave the commandment in the book of Deuteronomy. So we go to Deuteronomy 27, 9 to 13. Then Moses and the Levitical priests said to all Israel, Be silent, Israel, and listen. You have become the people of the Lord your God. Obey the Lord your God and follow his commandments and decrees that I give you today. On that same day, Moses commanded the people, When you have crossed the Jordan, this tribe shall stand on Mount Gerizim to bless the people, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Joseph, and Benjamin. And this tribe shall stand on Mount Eber to pronounce curses, Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulon, Dan, and Leptani. Let's pray. Father, we thank you because your word is life. And as we share your word, we pray that the life of your word will flow forth. Lord, you said your word is powerful as we share your word. Father, we pray that the word, the power of your word will come forth. Your word gives life. We pray for revelation. We pray for understanding as we look into your word this morning. We receive the help that comes from your Holy Spirit, that you will teach us and minister to us as your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you look at that story, it's a very simple story. There were just three main events or acts that actually took place in that story. The first one was to, after they have conquered, so this actually happened after they've conquered Ai. We all know the story of Ai, how that they were defeated, they have to seek the face of God, and then they have to go again. God gave them a strategy. They won the battle. And after winning this battle, then this passage came after that victory. There are three main things in that passage. They built an altar to God to offer sacrifices. They acknowledge by that act, they acknowledge the Lord as their God to be worshipped. They only want to be worshipped as a people of God. The second thing that happened was that they read the book of the law, including the blessings and the curses. It was a reminder of their covenant unto the Lord, that they are now the people of God. They are not just an ordinary people. They are the people that belong to God. And, they, and thirdly, they did this collectively. The whole of the people gathered, the women, the children, the foreigners, everybody gathered before the Lord. Collectively, they, they make this, they renew their covenant with God. To properly appreciate these very three simple principles, we need to look at God's purpose for calling Abraham right from the beginning. So if we look at Genesis 12, the next slide, please. When God called Abraham, he called him to make him a nation that will show his glory to all the other nations. That was God's purpose. And so God will speak to Abraham, say, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. I will make you a blessing. 
I will bless those that bless you, and whosoever causes you, I will cause. And all the people on the earth will be blessed through you. That was God's purpose. He called Abraham to form a nation through which he will pour his blessing to all the nations that were on the earth. He will give them, for instance, commandment in Deuteronomy 21. He said, if you will obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commandments, which I give you today, the Lord your God will set you on high above all the nations of the earth. So that was God's purpose for calling Abraham to make a nation out of him. And this nation was to be the vehicle through which all the other nations will be blessed. You will really appreciate that if you understand that all the other nations around, they were steeped in idolatry. They have their own gods. They have the god of fertility. They have the god of harvest. They have all sorts of gods. God needed to show himself as the true God. And, and the only way he was, the way he was going to do that was choosing a nation through which he would reveal his glory. For instance, an example will be what Rahab said when Joshua sent the spies to, 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 to Jericho. This is what Rahab said. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to King Sihon and Ogag, the two kings of the Amorite east of Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard it, our hearts melted in fear, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God in heaven is God in heaven above and below the earth. God, they recognize this is God. More than the little God they already know because this is God above all their God because of how God led his people through the Red Sea. That was God's intention, that through Israel, as a people, he will show his glory to other nations and they will come to recognize him as the true God. This is so important that God will actually give this instruction before they cross Jordan, the story we read, making the altar, and so on and so forth. It is so important that God will actually give this instruction through Moses, that when you cross the Jordan, you should make an altar, make sacrifices, read the law, and make renew the covenant. It is so important. God wanted them to know and to live in the land with the knowledge that they are the people of God, that they were peculiar, peculiar. They were covenant people. The law was written out, and the mountains were were to be a a reminder of the covenant that God made with them. God is so keen about it that God will want this information to be passed on to their children. So when they cross over Jordan, God will instruct them that they should take 12 stones by one from each tribe, one representing each tribe. When they cross Jordan, and they were to make a memorial out of these 12 sons, such that when the children, their children will ask them in the years to come, what does this mean? They were to tell them what God has done. It is God's intention of wanting them to know they are the people of God and to serve him as a people. This is very critical to the success of God revealing his glory to the nations. 
whenever, if you study the book of the Old Testament, whenever these three simple simple principles are followed, God's people prosper. Whenever the people live in covenant with God, where they have an altar to sacrifice to God, where they have the priests and the Levites appointed in their offices, and when the book of the law is taught, Israel prospered. Every time they did that. And so we'll maybe look at the life of David. David brought the ark to a tent he specifically set up for that purpose. He appointed singers that were, that were officiating 24 hours. It was like a rota. Some people will worship, another set of worshipers will come. And you find that Israel prospered under, under David. David never lost a single battle. That is people covenanting themselves to the living God. And then you go to Solomon. Solomon will build the temple. He will bring the ark to the temple. And God's glory will fill the temple. And the Bible says that the wisdom of Solomon was more than, greater than the wisdom of the men of the East and greater than the wisdom of the men of Egypt. And the queen of Sheba will come all the way to see the wisdom of Solomon. God showing his glory. When his people obey collectively, God showed his glory to other nations. And so you look at some other kings like Jehoshaphat, Hezekiah also. These were kings that followed this very simple principle. They set up an altar to worship the Lord. The, the law was followed. And when they did that, God will always show his glory. The opposite is also the, the true as well. You started with Solomon. In this later year, the Bible said that his heart was carried away by foreign women. The consequence was that God, the Bible said God stirred up enemies against him. And he began to lose the plot. And then that was followed by Jeroboam. He made two calves, one in Bethel and one in Dan. The Bible called him the man that taught Israel to sin. What in them to have? And the consequence was Israel began to lose grip until you know about Ahab and the people being carried away to captivity. So the simple act that they did when they crossed the Jordan of setting up that altar, sacrificing to the Lord, worshiping him, Whenever that principle is followed by any king or the people of Israel, they always prospered. This was so key that when Joshua was old and was about to die, that's Joshua 23, he will call all the elders, the heads, the judges, and all their officers, saying, I'm about to die. What did he give to them? A war strategy? No. This is what he said. Be very courageous to keep all that is written in the book of the law. And they say, one of you will share a thousand, for the Lord your God will fight for you. That was all the strategy he gave to them. If you just be very careful to obey the law of the Lord, live as his covenant people, one of you will share a thousand. That was all the war strategy that he gave them before he passed on. So it just shows how critical those, that act of the people of Israel obeying God, 
clinging to the law, living as covenant people, God will always show his glory. The question is, how do we, what is the parallel of this to us, the church in the New Testament? In the New Testament, the, Jesus was not just interested to preach and heal. He was interested in building a church. He would start by calling the 12 apostles. He, that was basically, the Bible said he spent all night to pray before he showed those 12 disciples. And then other disciples followed. And when he would ask the disciples, who do people think I am? Then they all gave all the answers. And then, who do you think I am? Peter answered. And Jesus, in Matthew 16, 17, 17 to 18 says, Jesus answered and said to Peter, Blessed are you, Simon, by Jonadiv, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I also pray to you that you are, and I say also to you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That was his main goal. He wanted to establish his church. He knew his church was to be the instrument to which the gospel will be advanced. The church will be the instrument to which the glory of God will spread throughout the whole world. So after his resurrection, he will send them out. He said, go into all the world. Tarry in Jerusalem until you are endued with power, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem until the ends of the earth. He was building his church. He will appoint the apostles. And Paul will remind us in the book of Ephesians that we are built on this foundation of the apostles and the prophets. So Ephesians 2, 20 to 22 says, Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, we cry Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. The church is where God lives in all his fullness. We as individuals, we have the spirit of God within us, but we only have a portion. But as the church, the fullness of God's spirit dwells in us. God manifests himself more as his people collectively. You know, he will give gifts to the body, give a prophecy to one, give a faith to another one, or miracles to another, to another one, that collectively as we express these gifts, We've manifest the fullness of God's glory. And Ephesians 4, 11 to 12, we tell us that Christ, Christ himself gave gifts to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. So Christ took a lot of time to invest in building his church. He not only just called the 12 apostles, apostles and their disciples, he will, he will, when he ascended, he will give gift to the body. He will raise up apostles and prophets to build up a church because that was God's instrument to spread his word around the nations. So the question is, the church is God's instrument to show his glory to the nations. If that is the case, what then should be our attitude? What then is our role as a people in building the church of God? And I'm just going to share four thoughts as we 
come to the, uh, the end of the talk. The first one is you have an important and special and critical role to play. You have an important and special and a critical role to play in building the church and for the church to fulfill the purpose of spreading the glory of God to the nations. So we read from Ephesians 4.16. He, that is God himself, makes the whole body fit perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts to grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. It is as each part does its own special work. So you have a special work to do. It is as you do that special work, you help the whole body to grow. And as the whole body grows, it flows back to you again. That's the way it goes. You do your own special part, as you do that, it helps the whole body to grow. And as the whole body grows, it flows back to you again. You do your special work better because you also grow at the same time. So you, we as the members of, of the body of Christ, we have a special role to play. The body of Christ or the church will only attains her fullness as each part does her own special work. Your special role, the special work that you do, will only reach the full potential when it is nurtured and spread within the context of a church. No, we all have different giftings, but the fullness of those giftings, reaching that full potential, is when you actually is nurtured within the church setting and, and expressed within the, the church setting, you realize the fullness of the calling of God in your life. That, was, that is God's purpose, that each of us doing our own special work will cause the body to grow to the fullness of his potential. The conquest of Jericho actually illustrates this principle very well. We see the ark, that were, the priests that were carrying the ark. Then we have the seven priests that were blowing the seven trumpets. And then before them were the, the armed people walking around, around the city. It's to everybody playing their whole part. What happens if the seven priests that will blow the trumpet say, well, I don't really think this is a very good job for me, and they refuse to blow the trumpet? Or if the priests that were carrying the, the ark said, I do not really think this is the thing I should be doing. Everybody played their own part. It was small, but collectively, God used it to, to win the victory over Jericho. It is the same way that we as a church, as you do your own special part, it causes the body to grow to the fullness of its potential to fulfill all that God has for us. In the same way, God has a purpose for our city, for our nation, Scotland, and beyond. This will only be accomplished as you, as a member of the body, does your own special work. That is when we fulfill our purpose. And so in Romans 12, 11, Paul was speaking to the church, say, not, not lagging in diligence, be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Do that your special part. And the kings, we have many avenues through which you can actually plug in to do that special part. We have the kids' work. We have the practical team. We have the welcome team. We have the street cafe. We have the, the, the parents and, and the thoughts. 
and so on and so forth. Many ways you can actually play that part. The question is, are you playing that special part you're supposed to play? The Bible says, not lagging in diligence, but fervently serving the Lord, pressing into what God has called you for. It reminds me of when Jesus fed the 4,000 people in Matthew 15. Jesus said to them, how many loaves do you have? And they said, seven and a little fishes. And they said, bring them. And he blessed them and fed the 4,000. Today, Jesus is asking you, what have you got in your hands? That is where God always starts from. What have you got? God is not looking for any special gifting that you have. But what have you got in your hands? It is as you yield, you bring it to Jesus, he will bless it and increase it. So would you pay, play that special part in the body of Christ? And I really just want to emphasize this last bit. You have a critical role to play. And the passage that we want to read here is 1 Corinthians 12, 20, 21. But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. I actually had to look at this verse in many uh, versions of the Bible. He said the eye cannot say. That was very common in almost all the versions. Another version said, can never say that I don't need to the hand, I don't need you. Another version says, the eye may not be able to say to the hand, I don't need you. Then when I look at the message, it says, an enormous eye or a gigantic hand wouldn't be a body, but just a monster. So the point is that nobody can say, we don't need you. You have a critical role to play. The eye is just as essential as the hand. And if we realize that we have a critical role to play, you will rise up to fulfill what God has called you for. Actually, as I was meditating on this part of the talk, I really felt God was saying that some people feel that they are just like an add-on, that I'm not needed, I'm just an add-on. But today God wants to tell you, you are not just an add-on. God needs you to play your part in the body. And the verse that actually came to my mind was Matthew 10, 29 to 30. It says, And not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them falls to the ground without the Father knowing. The very hair of your head are all numbered. God is saying, you are not just an add-on. You are special to him. The very hair on your head are all numbered. He has a purpose for you. Will you rise up and take your place in his body? Will you wake up to serve the Lord with all that you have in your hand? It could well be that at times, you know, maybe a phone call, just a note you drop to somebody, could be something that somebody needs that will change their life. That is the critical role you can play. Uh, before we came to King, we used to be in a church, and the, the pastor was telling us about his son, who was also a youth pastor then had that he needed money, critically needed money by the next day. That night, there was an envelope dropped through the door with the money he needed. The person didn't even add his or her name. 
But that person never knew that he had played a critical role. So you have a critical role to play. Wake up to play that role. You are not an add-on. God has called you. As you play your own special part, the whole body grows and we fulfill the purposes of God. The second, the second attitude that we should have is be intentional in building the body of Christ. Be intentional. 1 Corinthians 14, 4 and 5 says and 12, anyone who speaks in tongues edify themselves. But the one who professor edify the church, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather that you prophesy. Since you are eager for the gift of the Spirit, try to excel in, the, in those gifts that are built of the body. Let this be your motivation as you seek the gifts of the Spirit of God. The one that will enable you to, to actually build up the body of Christ. Be intentional about it. Paul will say that to the church in Korea, I speak in tongues more than you all, but in your presence, I'd rather speak five words to build you up. Maybe when you are spending time with God, you can be asking, God, can you give me a word I can bring to church on Sunday? Or you can be saying, God, what can I do to build your body up? So as you seek the gifts of God, not just seek them for yourself, but God seeking, asking God, what gifts God will endure you with for you to build his body? And then the second verse talk about Galatians 6, 10. Say, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those in the household of faith, intentionally building up the body of Christ. The third attitude which I would like us to have um, from the Bible says, save one another and bear each other's body in the body. John 7, 14 to 15, Jesus said, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash another's, each other's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Save the body with humanity. This is God's instrument for his glory to the nations. Save the body with humanity. Wash each other's feet. And Galatians says, bear one another's body and so fulfill the law of Christ. You find that if, you, if I mention the name of Barnabas, the apostle in the Bible, you will never associate his name with miracles or signs and wonders. You associate him that he's called a son of encouragement. That's all we know Barnabas for. He never did miracles like Paul, but he built the body of Christ. He saved the body. He was called a son of encouragement. Would you stand up and play your part in the body? The last one I would like us to look at is maintain the unity of the body. Ephesians 4, 1 and 3 says, Therefore I, a prisoner for a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Make every effort yourselves to keep yourself united in the Spirit, building yourself together with peace, making every effort to maintain the unity of the body, making every effort. I know that the elders are not afraid of a group of people breaking away from the church or breaking the church away. So that is not really what is critical. But what are we to worship for? What is actually being said here? 
Wash us because as we, we share life together, inevitably we step on each other's too at times. It does happen as we share life together. So wash out for unforgiveness. Wash out for gossip. Wash out for heeding criticisms. Wash out for bitterness. These are the things that work against the unity of the body. It is so important. Jesus will spend the whole chapter of 17 praying for the unity of the body of Christ. And what are we to aim for? While we wash out and avoid unforgiveness and bitterness, what are we to aim for? We are to involve events that actually promote unity. Events that, for instance, when they, when they are events and involve more than your church, let us get involved. We're building the body of Christ. Speak good about other churches in the city. And if you are in any position to support them, do so. In so doing, we're maintaining the unity of the body of Christ. And so, in summing up, I'm going to end up, uh, I want us to look at Ephesians 5.21. It says, Jesus loved the church and gave himself for it. The question is, do you love the church? This is God's instrument to spread his gospel and to show his glory to the nations. Do you love the church? If you love the church, would you play your part? And maybe you are listening and you actually begin to feel, am I really loved by God? Or maybe you are not a Christian yet and want to say, yes, Jesus loved you and gave himself for you. That is the love that he has for the church. And today, if you are not a Christian, you can actually take that step to accept the love that God has shown towards you in Christ Jesus. Can we just pray? So do you feel you just an add-on feel you don't really feel you have a critical role to play, but today God is challenging saying that you have a critical role to play. And God challenges you that not lagging behind, but with fervency of spirit serving the Lord. That is, as you play that special work, the whole body is built up. And God wants you to feel that you have an important and a critical role to play in this body. And if you don't play that role, the body will not be able to fulfill all the purposes of God. The Bible says Jesus loved the church and laid down his life for the church. Do you love the church? Father, we want to say thank you Jesus, thank you that you loved your church and that you laid down your life for us. We want to say thank you. We want to thank you that you have a special work for us, that as we do that work, the whole body is built up to fulfill your purpose and counsel. We pray this morning that, Lord, we will, by your grace, by the working of your spirit, we'll rise up, Father, to take our place. Father, to do that special work you called us for, that your body will be built up, that your body will fulfill all your purposes and counsel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.